When the days are grey and dreary And the nights are drawing in There's a place that's gay and cheery Where they'll take you for a spin So come on, oh, get your trouble oh, Keep your eyes on the skies of You can always have it all At the Female Hello and welcome to the Female Pilot Club podcast. If you don't know us, we're a plucky band of lumpy jumpers helping female-written sitcom scripts take off and fly against the almost insurmountable odds presented by the TV commissioning system. If you do know us, we're women sitting at home watching reruns of badly written naughty sitcoms screaming, It should have been me! <laughs> It was you, most of the time. It was, I had a time, it was me. But also working our butts off to promote new female written comedy masterpieces by persuading brilliant comedy actors to read funny scripts out loud in a club for laughs. I'm Wing Commander Kay Stonham. And I'm Captain Abigail Burdess. She's given me the lower rank again. This happens every time. Not on this flight again <laughs> is resident actor and trolley dolly Emily Chase. Apparently, the scaly brat that recently shot out of her underpart is a squealer. It's a squealer, <laughs> much like Emily herself. So she's flat out in the naffy, catching up on her gonk. What Sorry. are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> this is a very good question, yeah. to be fair. Um, are you okay? It's, <laughs> it's the old RAF slang. It's, RAF uh, slang. Um, it's our brand, Julie. Yes, branding. We're branding. I love it. Um, now I understand it. I love yeah, it. Great. You'll love it more as it goes on. We do drop it after a bit because it gets a bit tedious. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we do have Emily on tape, by the way. Uh, we will hear from her later. So in the pilot seat this week, we have Julie Bauer. Yay! Yay! Judy, she was one of the very first pilots, um, and she is here to talk about her sitcom Death's X and also her phenomenal success as a children's TV writer. Thank you for having me. That's no problem. Do I say that at the end or at the start? That's fine. Say it frequently. Say, yeah. I, I say it frequently Good. throughout. Good. Good. We like Bookend that. it. And uh, well, now we have to say, Julie, zip up your grow bag, hang on to your twilights. It's time for a beer call while you give us the hot poop. You're, re- you're really enjoying these, aren't you? I can see how, how much thought has gone into these. Virtually none. Uh, and now we're going to hear from our resident actor, Emily Chase. She's going to give us a little precy of Julie Bauer's glittering career. Julie Bauer of Highland Beach is best known as part of the reality TV show Police Women of Broward County. Sorry, no, Emily, that is, that's Julie Bauer, the sex detective. This, this is Julie Bauer, the children's TV writer. Sorry. Julie Bauer is creator and writer of BAFTA and Broadcast award-winning CBBC comedy So Awkward, currently on its seventh series. She has written for Disney's The Evermore Chronicles, The Lodge, The Worst Witch, CBBC and Flatmates for BBC iPlayer. Julie has also written on numerous radio sketch shows and created original Radio 4 sitcom pilot 49 Cedar Street, as well as the amazing pilot which we did, Death's X. Thank you very much. It's an amazing CV, uh, Julie. I'm not at all jealous. I am. <laughs> um, but as up. you know, um, we at Female Pilot Club know all about your spanking script, Death's X, but the people on the home front twiddling their knobs to hear, uh, <laughs> to hear above the static don't. Mm. So can you do for them what we call a parachute pitch of your show? So this is the scenario, Julie. Okay. Um, the plane's gone up in flames. Mm. There's only one parachute which you are wearing. Yeah, but as you leave the plane, the commissioning editor of Netflix jumps out and grabs onto your nether regions. Why is he doing that? <laughs> I we, don't even we know do, them. To, 
to save themselves. Obviously. This is, yeah, so this is the commissioner of Netflix. Um, so okay, obviously... while I'm in a plane that's on yeah, fire. Yeah, okay, yeah, right. Okay. Uh, yeah, so um, Death Sex is, is a sort of a, a, a dark rom-com uh, about uh, death as a, as a kind of living her life as a woman. She's very overworked, as, as you would imagine death would be. And she walks into to a, she's very good at her job, but she's just finding it harder and harder. She's been around for, for thousands of years. Um, and she walks into a bar one day and, and meets a guy and falls in love. And uh, it's kind of the story of how she makes that work and how honest she should be with him about what she does. And it's about the two of them coming together and getting to know each other and figuring out if they can overcome this problem between them fabulous well we commissioned that we would thank you in fact we did we did it's a rom-com isn't it it's a rom-com yeah and is it in all rom-coms we know we love a montage so our first clip is uh maddie rice wonderful actress and jordan stevens who are playing the your two pro tags falling in love uh i'm gonna play it now part two an hour or so later, a slightly tipsy Connor and Liz have drawn little faces on the willy balloons as they're making them talk to each other like puppets. <laughs> we meet again, Captain Schlong. <laughs> Indeed, I have been expecting you. Is that your willy voice? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Why? That's great, it's really funny. Part two, Connor is trying to prove he can talk to a dachshund. Right! <laughs> Give it a second. <laughs> Those guys on the night really did have chemistry. Do you remember? Do you yeah, know? it was I amazing, wasn't it? Really liked Jordan's dog impressions. I was sending the clip out to everyone, going, "You have to listen, not for the script. Listen to the dog impressions in I the know. script, because it really. <laughs> if that doesn't sell it, nothing will." I know. Um, but the two of them, I mean, amazingly, were just, you know, we just really believed them as a couple and we got carried away on that kind of romantic thing, which is exactly what you want for a rom-com, isn't it? Absolutely. And yeah. So we were talking about, like, chemistry between protagonist and the rom-com and, and how do you generate it? So In technical writing-y terms, what's the, yeah. Yeah. What do you think? How did you sort of go about it? What did you? What were you thinking when you did it? I suppose it's it's all in the, the, the dialogue, I guess, and the way that they the two characters relate to each other makes the difference between something that might feel uh, I don't know say you take a film like I don't know Pretty Woman and yeah. you know uh, and what 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 situation is icky isn't it this is a man playing paying a woman for sex and is that you know in watching it now actually uh, now I'm older I sort of know it's still a guy paying a woman for sex yeah. I know that he's good looking and rich and they fell in love along the way <laughs> so it's fine then it's all fine it's still a guy play, paying a woman for sex but they get away with it and I think it may, it becomes a very watchable lovely film because of the way that they they click between each other and the way they joke and they tease mm. each other and they banter backwards and forwards so it's not just about the the sexiness and the attraction mm. it's also about the fact that they're clearly having fun together mm. and uh she's feels like his equal because of the way they're the way that they're bantering and the way that they relate to each other and i think that's certainly when i watch when i watch a film that's what i'm looking for i want to believe that these mm. they are witty that they spark off each other mm. and try and create that but they don't necessarily have to be sophisticated i think that, you know some of the some of the sweetest conversations when I when I'm listening into other conversations which I do a lot um, is is um, it's when it's people who maybe aren't necessarily witty and sophisticated and exchanging bon mots it's mm. just about the way that people can tease each other mm. and I think that that always signifies. 
that always signals affection yeah. when you feel comfortable enough with somebody to tease them mm. but also that's the, the beauty of your setup is that she obviously has a very serious job yeah and so the, the kind of in order to make them each other's missing pieces or whatever mm. he needs to be somebody who is fundamentally unserious mm-hmm. and who's light and who brings that kind of mm. luck which was which is the sort of how lovely it, why it became so lovely because yeah. he's got that sort of lightness of touch and that thing where you just go somebody who's just kind of a sunny person yeah and and it's this is it's, the idea is that scene where they're falling in love it's the first night off she's had in a really long time and she's really enjoying herself and and you're supposed to kind of i was trying to create this sense of like she does actually need this mm. um uh, yeah, and, you can believe yeah, I mean, that he was a breath of fresh air yeah. for her, which is was a really nice dynamic between them. But do you see what you think about this? Do you think that the actors have to fancy each other properly? <laughs> Abigail Perez is laughing because that's what she thinks. That's not what that I think. Is what, that is not what I think. I certainly don't want to be outed as that. I'm outing you right now. That's <laughs> what you think. Um, or do you think that good acting can get away with that? What do you think? I think it's really hard to tell, isn't it? Whether whether I, I've 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 had this conversation drunk before, where I've been. This is what I think about chemistry. Everyone, listen. And <laughs> well, there's that. And I, I remember. Sorry, go on. No, go, yeah. no, no, I remember getting to such a discussion of like. But when you're watching somebody on film or on television, there's no way you can know whether they fancied each other or not. So it doesn't really matter. Mm. No, of course not. But they like, had that, they had that great sitcom and storyline of Friends, didn't they? Where, yeah, yeah. Where it was like, as soon as they banged, the sexual tension went out of it <laughs> on the screen. Which I just thought was quite an accurate sort of yeah. thing to do with. There is always that. I don't know. It just makes it easier when you're acting, isn't it? If there's we always used to say as an actor someone you'd wash your hair for ah, yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean I just... would be I think I would I'm not that I, I've never, I'm not an actor but I would be mortified to have to act fancying somebody and snogging somebody who I actually fancied because don't you want to kind of hide all that when you fancy or is that just my repressed isn't English? that just like <laughs> you don't yeah, tell no, someone when you fancy know. them <laughs> It's funny, isn't it? But I mean, it looked. It took, it's taken what thirty years for it to come out that Ross and Rachel did actually have a will. They weren't they in real life all during Friends? But oh. did they though? Did they, did they really? Oh, do you know what? I believe it. Oh, I, I don't know. Believe it. You think it's just a you cynical pay? You think it's just like, <laughs> no? I oh, it. they're very clever. These God, actors, these oh, Hollywood. They are. Types. types. Can I can yeah. I uh, can I just say that we're not speculating about whether or not Maddie Rice and Jordan Stevens fancy <laughs> each other. Well, we could. So we, if we like. if, if people are going to listen, no, they categorically told me they didn't. No. <laughs> no, we're I mean, not. They, they both. They, we we really bought that love affair. I think because they're. I mean, because they're both great really great natural actors mm, yeah. and they had so much you know they did that sort of hyper real acting which yeah. is so you know and they both have a lot of charisma which i think is what counts isn't it you yeah know, like we, we, we we loved them yeah. so we believed they love each so other we're like please get together especially in a live setting like that because yeah. you, you're watching it happen right in front of you so you're like, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah as my kids would say they ship it there you go. I'm using the, the the young children's lingo. It translate for us for the older members of, of the, uh, of the listeners. I'm probably listening using this in a really embarrassing way. My kids keep telling me you're using that wrong. You're using that wrong. But I think if you I ship it means I I want there to be a relationship. Not even I predict a relationship, but I I want there to be a relationship between ah. these two characters. So you definitely shipped it with both of them. You're like, oh. 
I'm learning all these new languages. So many new <laughs> languages. Young, yeah. new and old. Yes. It's an education, this podcast. Amazing. Pilot Club. Are they something you watch all the time? Yes, absolutely. Yes, Great. I think, like, uh, I sort of, yeah, you, you hoover them. I hoovered them up in my 20s, and um, and I'm, I think it's wonderful seeing how mo- uh, more modern creators and writers are putting a modern spin on uh, rom-coms that, like the rom-coms that I was watching in my twenties, that I think you now watch in hindsight, you're like, actually, those a lot of those relationships are quite toxic. Yeah, and uh, you know, Ross and Rachel, I think, is a classic example of two people who absolutely should not be together, because after ten series of Will They Won't They, these, these are, this is a couple that clearly aren't that committed to each other, and the last thing they should have done. I do not believe that relationship lasted ten seconds after the end of that series, because they're both fundamentally awful, selfish people who tortured each other for ten years. There's um, um you, there's actually a play about this. Have you seen? There's a there's a play no. called Ross and Rachel, which is kind of about that's the basis of it. Is yeah, they, yeah. The way they um the one actor plays both of them and then talks about the relationship. <laughs> You're just like, oh my god, this is well, awful. There was a wonderful Twitter thread where somebody unpacked why Rachel should have ended up with Joey. Did you see this one? Oh yeah, I did. It yeah. was really long and really. Deep. By the end of it, you're like, oh my, oh my god. god, she should have. Yeah, Joey was so he wanted the best for her. He was kind to her. She felt she could be herself around him. Ross just constantly held Rachel back. Felt like he owned her. I mean, her. she did have to give up her dream job in Paris. It did feel a bit like that. The ending where you're just like, oh no, she given up her dream mm. job? That seems quite bad. Whereas now, like, you know, in... What's that great... Did you see that one with um, the... Who's the American actress? And she had Keanu Reeves as the love interest. The film Abigail's um, struggling ah, to recall maybe, is Ali Wong's maybe, Always Be My Maybe. Oh, I'm going to look it up. Uh, anyway, she she did they, did they did a real deliberate he supports her career as yeah. the as the end of the which they I see that more and more often now. Yeah, the, yeah. the happy ending mm. is the bloke supporting the woman's career. Mm. But can I just so, say that Joey's a klutz. He's not <laughs> Rachel's you know intellectual equal. So you know I, I don't know if that's the yeah. But Rachel now. wasn't exactly intellectual. <laughs> I mean, old <laughs> professor <to> Rachel. <laughs> She, what yeah. was she a professor of? <laughs> Fashion. Hair. hair. I think yeah. yes, hair, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> Although it's not... she was given intelligence by the obviously a very intelligent actress. Who was <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, she yeah. was. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Um, yeah. But no, have you got any favourite uh, obstacles? We loved your obstacle, the obstacle yeah, to the brilliant day together. Obstacle. Brilliant obstacle. One of them's oh, death. Thank you. There you go. Yeah. Uh, have you got any favourite obstacles? Um, I, I, was, I was thinking about this on the way in. Like the, some of the really, really good rom-coms I've seen lately. I thought that um, Starstruck did a, did a really good job because the the, the obstacle the, this Starstruck is a was a BBC Three was it BBC Three anyway it's a something it's on iPlayer it's Rose mm. Matafeo plays a very chaotic yeah, yeah yeah millennial who falls in love with a famous actor yeah oh. uh, sort of Notting Hill but they they, they flip flip it um, and because she's very chaotic in a likable way that's more that becomes the obstacle it's not so much that he's a big he's a big famous star and she can't get close to him in, in that not sort of notting hill way it's more the fact that her flaws are what yeah. create the obstacle mm, and it's yeah. done in a really it's done in a really clever way that she's very likable and relatable but it also means that he's like likable and relatable because you could sort of feel for him because he's reacting to her craziness um and i thought that that was played because it's very hard to kind of play that without, like with any rom-com, if there is an obstacle between the two characters, then clearly something's wrong. 
if if it's one you know like quite mm. often one character seems like they clearly don't want to be in that relationship <laughs> and and that's like well that's fine that means that they shouldn't be together they should but, move on and find other people yeah, but if it's a but, film then they have to learn don't they that's the whole that's the whole kind of basis of of that kind of protagonist journey in a rom-com for isn't it that the leading character has to learn why they should love the person who we want them to love and they don't love them because they've got an internal flaw that makes them not see it isn't that isn't that how they work yes and, and in good yeah in good storytelling but I just I find it as I've got older I suppose I find it increasingly harder to swallow a lot of a lot of those setups where because my, my understanding is if two people want to be together they they get together um well it's like it's that but, thing of going there's you know there's one lie isn't there in a movie you're allowed one lie a movie okay and in rom-coms the lie is that love exists <laughs> <laughs> love will solve all of yeah. your problems yeah. Yeah. but that there's one yeah. perfect person for everybody, for everybody in the universe exactly. I mean that, that's, that's the basis so that's sense. so unhealthy that idea <laughs> that it's the idea of a benevolent universe yeah. isn't it yeah. it underpins like, yeah. all rom-coms that's like that if you just carry on long enough and understand well enough you will find that person in the universe Who has designated you to be your perfect mate yeah I mean so, but of course like uh, I would agree with Julie and I think you're both something quite similar which is that like a really good rom-com the the obstacles are generated by the characters themselves. Yeah, so, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Ex- well, so, external and internal obstacles, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. but that they are. Yeah, with yeah, yeah, rather than the imposed from my favourite. I've got to bring this up. Is of course the Lake House, <laughs> which is Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock are separated by two years. Yes, and the whole thing is oh would. <laughs> Oh no, they're separated by two years. Will Sandra Bullock wait two years to see Keanu? Such a shit well, obstacle. Like, oh I don't my even god, I, wait, I would works. wait forty years <laughs> to, to have sex with Keanu. <laughs> <laughs> would you wait two years? I know. Yes. He writes her a lot of really long letters about architecture in that film. I don't. I, that would be up, that's, like, that's, that's an obstacle that's for me, obstacle. right there. Do, do you know what, Keanu? I get that you look good looking. I love that you have a dog. But there is a lot of lessons. You haven't once asked me how my day has gone. Yeah. yeah. Or how my architecture is Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, anyway. Um, but isn't that... Because also what we were talking about was the difference between, like... Because there's not many rom-coms that are serious, are there? Because that, that classic rom-com structure mm. lends itself very well to a film because, you you know, you start, you've got the obstacle, you have to learn, and then it mm. ends. So we were really interested in, with Death's X. How were you going to carry on? How were you going to carry that, you know, that kind of rom-com vibe going of will they and won't they every week? So I, the idea... and I was, Yeah, I'm trying to remember because I haven't <laughs> looked at it for ages, but the, the, the idea for the series was that he, she, would, she would tell him what the, the, her deal was fairly early on so that he would then, rather than kind of stretching out over... Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, you know, like shows my daughter's watching at the moment about mermaids and it's all about them trying to keep their secret episode. Oh, yeah. Rather than having that trying to keep that secret episode after episode. Yeah. Fairly early on, she, she would come clean and it, he would have to... I had this idea that there would be this episode where um, she, she was maybe doubting his commitment or he and he felt the need to say to her, there is nothing you can say to me that would make me stop loving you. And that would be the episode where he finds out that she's deaf. Once he's actually said that, oh, oh you know, I love you. And then yeah, that sort of puts him in that really tricky... That was the idea to put him in that really tricky position where he's mm-hmm. categorically said, I will always love you no matter what. And then and then she's like, oh, well, I'm deaf. End of um, series one, surely. Brilliant. No, that, that was kind of as a mid-series. Oh, right. that, that was the idea. So then it was about him dealing with it and trying to uh 
be a good guy, but at the same time also having that very human reaction that That's everywhere quite... she goes, she's surrounded by corpses and it's a bit weird. <laughs> it's a bit of a vibe funny, kill, isn't it? Isn't it? And That's for the rom-com. Yeah. And it's her job, so she's all right with it, really. And, and there was we kind of fleshed out the morality of it, which is that she's not a murderer. She's she's just... she Her job is to reap the souls mm. at the end of their... at their natural mm. end whenever yeah. that may be. Mm. So she's not taking it upon herself to kill innocent people. Mm. She's she's it's admin essentially what she's doing. She's just processing yeah. the souls at Horrifying the end. Horrifying death admin. Admin. Yeah. Death admin. And this yeah. is a collector then, isn't she? She collects yeah. at the end of the of the cycle. As yes, it were. She's exactly. Really, yeah. So there's not really she's not really morally doing anything wrong. That's how it feels to me, but from his point of view, it just is a lot of death that he's having to deal with and he's finding it he's finding it tricky. Um, and it's just so he then has that moral that moral conundrum of how how can I be with the woman I love? Do I still love her now I know this thing about her? What's the honourable thing to do here? Uh, and it, that's so. So the rest of the series is kind of about the pressure it puts on their relationship and how they manage that. So right. it's not um, a will they won't they? It's a how it's do they a deal once with? they're together? How do you make it work? Mm. Yeah. Okay. Does there were there lots of episodes where he gets her to try other jobs? I'm already laughing at that just thinking about it well like we had an idea that she gets fired because she's spending all her time with him she's she's messing up um so she loses her job so she's sort of like on it and and for him that's great because he didn't have to do anything suddenly she's she's more like the the woman he wants her to be except when she's fired she's not herself anymore so she's she becomes really bored and and uh then that that also causes puts pressure on the relationship and it's kind of about him thinking oh actually I, I do want her to just be herself. That was kind of... I think that was the idea, yes. Mm. Oh, right. I mean, it's good that you didn't go for the obvious will-they-won't-they they, then, although there haven't been that many will-they-won't-they they sitcoms, have there? We were just talking about how mm. American sitcoms re- rely on that yeah. story motor so often and how it's really rare, I think, for British sitcoms yeah. to rely on it. Yeah. It's like, um, I'm sure... There might, I mean, there must be them, but like the big, massive... We talked about Friends... Frasier, of course, with the Niles and Daphne was mm-hmm. a story motor for ages and ages. Um, my current favourite, Superstore. Have you seen Superstore? That's like a, that's like a, a constant will they won't they they get together. Oh, one oh, they get back uh, split up blah, blah, blah. over seven seven series, I think. Yeah, um, and they really wow. you know it's it's great. It's great and it keeps you watching. But I think romance in British sitcoms mm. is relatively rare. We're trying to. I'm trying to remember anything. Well, there was one in the 90s, of course, which I happen to have been in. <laughs> I don't know if you remember it. Kay's been in everything. What, what, what were you in, Kay? What was that? What were you I have been in everything, but <laughs> mostly stuff that wasn't any good, to be fair. But, uh, no, I, I, no, loads of stuff that was good, all those who were listening who yeah. enjoyed me. Um, <laughs> uh, it was, well, do you know what? I was trying to, I was trying, this is hilarious because I was in it, I couldn't remember the name of it. That was pretty hilarious in itself. And I had to look it up. And, and when I looked it up, I came across an article written by Joe McGann, who might give me a clue, who uh, played the male lead in it, where he said that it was the most depressing point in time in his life. So that doesn't oh, bode well. Oh, he was dear. suffering depression when he did it. So Probably. I don't know if it was the sitcom that did it. I don't think it? it was. The Upper the Hand. The Upper Hand. Oh, memories. Oh, yep. I've still got the coat. But that was, um, that was a remake of an American one, though, wasn't it? It was, yeah. 
and it was yeah, yeah. the um the uh, boss who's the boss who's, who's the, the boss, boss? Oh, was yeah that yeah, yeah. Who's yeah. The boss? and we often commented because I think they just they copied the set which they sometimes do don't they when they import American sitcom formats and, yeah, and yeah. we're like where do these people live it's, it's such a massive house. House. yeah yeah like, nobody in England had a house that big yeah it did know, have so. a big American set feel it to did. it now that's yes. Yeah, and he had Honor Blackman, so... Yes! Got to work with a great female icon, wonderful woman, incredible. Um, yeah, even at that age, she was brilliant, amazing. They, and they did have that, what, so I'm trying to think of, what's that Nicholas Lindhurst one where he was a bigamist? Where he had Good the, Night Sweetheart. Good Night Sweetheart, that that had a romance in it, but they were like, that was like a will they won't, that was like a two-strand romance, wasn't it? Yeah. Like which one, yeah. and it was exemplifying, like, in each of the timelines, he had yeah. a girlfriend. Yeah. I'm just trying to, but we just don't generally have, like... I don't know. Maybe I'm just missing things. I think we don't like romance in this <laughs> country. Do we? Don't I mean, like love. We, love. We don't like love. We like we like bitterness, <laughs> cynicism, class-based pre- humour. I prefer seeing the dynamics of a relationship. That I think rather than a will they won't they. Do you? I think. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like, love struck does have that will they won't they element. And um, I'm trying to think what else. Because catastrophe, they just get together straight away, don't yeah, they? they do. And that's yeah. what's that's what's lovely about that series yeah. is that it's about them figuring it out. Yeah, it's mostly films, isn't it? You know, Bridget Jones mm. is a will they won't they in many ways, isn't yeah. it? You know, it's a filmic sort of concept, isn't it? Really. Shub 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 shubuwa. We were just talking about Connor, played by Jordan Stevens, doing his dog barking, and I think we have got a clip here of a great. Uh, dog barking payoff at the yes. end. Street outside hotel morning. Liz approaches Connor and the Alsatian. Row! I, I don't think he speaks English. Row! <laughs> to the dog. Uh, can you give us a second? The dog barks and wanders off. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what was it like to get to hear it read and, and, and get the laughs in that way? Did it Did it sort of like raise your spirits about the oh script. absolutely yeah so, I mean I'm, I write more for TV now well when, when I can when I get the opportunity I, I write for more for TV so you miss all that the live the live experience and that feeling of especially when when you write for TV and most of your feedback is from your script editor quite rightly <laughs> telling you what you need to do to make it better mm. so it's so lovely to be in a live environment I think oh actually that that was a funny joke I thought it was a funny joke and <laughs> knew it and and, knew it. And, and, and to actually experience that and to just to work with you guys because you've put you put together such a good show it was so professionally done the tickets sold out in like 20 seconds i think everyone was like <laughs> i was trying to get people to come and everyone was like we can't it's sold out which is which is such an, a testament to what you've to, to the what you were able to put together and your production oh, skills oh, and your producing well, skills. Thanks, that's really kind. I mean, it was a, it was a bit of a surprise because that was the first one, wasn't it? So, yeah, so we're sorry about that, that you couldn't get to. No, <laughs> no, it's a, it's a fantastic <laughs> problem to have. It's the problem you want to have, isn't it? That yeah, people absolutely. like, oh, sorry, guys, we'd love to squeeze you in, but, uh, you know, it's. Yeah, sorry, director of, uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> producer of this and commissioner of that. Mm. But you just have not, you know, and, and it was a real, everyone I contacted about it had heard of it and was excited by it and was keen to hear more about it. So, yeah. Oh, well good. done thank oh, you thanks. people thanks, love the yeah. idea but did you I mean did it do anything for you in terms of like pushing the script forward or helping you get meeting or anything like that did you get any well uh, I had an actual recording which was great to send to people which yeah, makes yeah. such a difference from mm. sending a script and it's kind of like you've got a physical thing and you can talk about it and you can talk about what, what happened in it and how it went down on the night and that's that's really helpful um, and I, yeah I did find I mean I sent it out to everyone uh, and I, I did find I did feel like people 
were much more keen to read it and come back to me and chat about it because it had been involved in a thing rather than it just being a script and I think it always helps to have that Um, so yes thank you brilliant that's really good news yeah we're just talking about um, structure and how how deliberate are you in your structure do you like have large charts up on them going this pays off here and this is a repeated joke and this is the third and this is blah 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 or do you do it sort of naturally it just comes out if if it's something I'm writing for me I just write it but obviously if you're writing it for someone else the grown-ups in telly <laughs> You, you have to mm. kind of, you, you're part of the contract is you have to do scene breakdowns and all that mm. sort of thing. So I'm a bit naughty. And I should do it because it would make my structuring a lot better. If I, you know, it's it's sad really. I do it when I'm being paid to do it and I'm being made to do it. But it, when it, when, if, I, if I'm like, if I'm just doing a script that I'm just writing for myself, I kind of just don't mm. tend to do that. And uh, probably I should. I should. Well, it feels um, like a bit of a holiday, it, doesn't it? I mean, exactly. I don't myself, it's like, you yeah. think, oh, I don't yeah. have to plan it all out. I can just let it breathe and let it go See what it. happens. Yeah. yeah. I know, it's really nice to do that, isn't it? Yeah, it is. But we noticed that you delayed the revelation moment about not just to, not to Connor, but the revelation to the audience of who mm. Liz is. Oh, I think we actually have a clip um, where you let the audience know... Um, that this, that Liz is death. I think this is the moment. Behind them, Liz points her phone at the window cleaner and swipes up. She watches emotionless as the window cleaner plummets to his demise. <laughs> I can't believe I finally met someone normal. <laughs> <laughs> so why did you wait so long to like reveal your premise? Uh, that was, I was writing the script with a very, very good producer and that was actually his idea. Oh. That kind of, yeah, he said, let's let's see how long we can delay it. And um, so that's yeah. Uh, I was very lucky that, that I was developing the idea with a with a fantastic producer, and so his input was really. But I think I think his instinct was right, totally right there, because it was lovely, kind of seeing that and feeling that moment in the room when everyone was like, oh, oh. yeah, so interesting. Yeah. So what was his? Did he have reasoning? Did he say delay it until because or? I, I think thinking? it's it's that thing where you're sort of trying to draw the audience in by having that, that question hanging in the air, what's going on here, what's going on with her. Mm. Um, it, it's it's kind of encouraging people to lean into it mm. and, and uh, because they're looking for clues to try and figure out what it is. Intrigue. Intrigue. Interesting. <laughs> now, it's interesting, isn't it? Because people often tell you to like get that story out there and I, let everyone yeah. know what they, you're doing straight I away. I do think there is a real tendency, particularly when you're writing pilots, mm. to explain too much. Mm. And I see we see that in a lot of the scripts that we mm. get where I was yeah. like right I've got this idea right mm. and this is no way it's great it's great so I just <laughs> want to let you know everything about it that I'm getting. Okay. and you just like guys let us discover it and all of those you know all of those reveals not to do a whole as you were saying <laughs> the kids TV shows where you're just like oh how long can we string this out for <laughs> but but kids turn but off in a, it's a fine exactly, it's a fine line isn't it between yeah, kind of yeah. going doling out that information in a way which is satisfying for the audience so they can enjoy the process of guessing for themselves yeah um and but um encouraging them to kind of lean in in, and do the work a little bit and people are fine with doing that yeah Yeah. audiences like to work they do not want to be spoon yeah they like they liked a a secret the puzzle don't Mm. they from something they can find yeah we wanted to talk a little bit about your um your character design 
as well. Mm-hmm. Really. Yeah. Because um, you do, we, this Kay noticed you, you just do this great job of writing these kind of archetypical, not stereotypical, but archetypical <laughs> comedy characters. And then quite, but quite often that you flipped their, flip something about them like their gender or so. Um, yeah, I mean, I love the fact that you've got, you know, the sex bomb. You know, the kind of the, the sex object is uh, was the lovely Joe Johnsy. Oh, yes. oh, he was so yeah. sweet. Well yeah. cast. Yeah. And, and it, you know, he, he it was great to, to have all those funny jokes about how good looking the guy was. And, you know, the men not noticing and then really noticing and being, you know, very worried about it. And you just did loads <laughs> with that. And it was just so refreshing. Poor yeah. Joe, though, sitting there next to somebody going, his character is ridiculously good looking. He walks in. <laughs> Everyone notices how good. And he got into it, though. To be fair, though, you know. He embraced it. I know Joe very well. He very much goes along with opinion himself. And he does know it. And he is a model. So, you know, it was fine. He did his model thing. He did his model thing. suddenly started doing his model thing everyone was like Woo! but yeah. we, we love the fact that and did you do that on purpose did you think i'm just going to change the gender of the normal kind of sitcom stereotypes that we have and see how that works yeah i think it's fun to do that just yeah. to see what happens uh, maybe it's a bit of laziness as well because those archetypes we know those archetypes work we know they're funny yeah but you, you just try and you're always trying to think of ways to uh, attack refresh them, refresh them yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's it's almost a bit lazy, really. Like, oh, what if it's a boy? <laughs> I'm a genius. I, I have to say I do yeah. that all the time. I just go through and go, oh yeah. my god, I've yeah. just written literally a pantaloni. Uh, 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 I just swiped him. Yeah. Well, what if uh, the lechy old person is a woman? Oh, well, was that played uh, yeah. by the lovely Abigail Burgess? There was. I was. I think we've got a we've got a clip of me now, which is weird, very weird. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so here's the lechy old person. Stripper's on his way. His wrong side of 40 where his balls are massive. <laughs> <laughs> and here is Joe uh, playing the bimbo, which is quite enjoyable. I could swing by tomorrow. I'll just call in sick or something. Oh, there's the address. Don't let me down. Karen walks away. Liz looks at Scott incredulously. What? <laughs> I'll call in sick. I'm your boss. <laughs> it's fine. Please may I call in sick tomorrow. Go on. Skewering then not only the, the, the bimbo, but also the, the, the sad millennial who just doesn't know how to be in the workplace. But brilliantly done, I thought. The baby-obsessed... Husband. Oh, yeah. Yes. So funny. Yeah. Drawing on, yes, having been through that, the whole circus that is uh, you know, fertility treatment and things, it was quite, it was quite nice to um, uh, write about that in a fun way. But again, flip it and make it so the guy was obsessed and the woman was just utterly depressed and fed up with <laughs> yes. having to talk about it. I Which isn't, that. Oh, that is not actually, that wasn't my experience, just to be clear, if my husband's listening. But... Um, <laughs> <laughs> and if he's not, it was. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, just kind of that. I was trying to create that 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 feeling of just how boring and <laughs> frustrating it all is in, with those two characters. Yeah, it was but very well done and and very very funny character. Yeah, I think. And he played it well actually. He t- yeah, really he played well. it really beautifully. It's Tom, yes, uh, Tom Brittany yeah, actually. Yeah, I'm yeah. Tom Brittany. Just have a little. It was very because he's kind of a dick that character, but he played him very vulnerably and sweet. So you sort of felt sorry for him. Yeah, yeah it's also so unsexy. It's just that <laughs> thing. Of, it's just that thing because obviously you'll be having having to have sex all the time, and and but in the least sexy yeah. environment. Oh you know, yeah, just like yeah. oh great. Uh, this is actually a clip of Tom um, a little bit later in the show. 
where at this point the all the characters are talking about death because they've just seen someone being reaped by Liz in front of them. This is Tom Brittany playing the baby-obsessed husband. Poor guy. That was weird. Just one minute he's alive and then... Claimed by the cold hand of death. <laughs> Liz pulls her face. She looks at her hands. Are you sure you're OK? Oh, I don't fear death. I'm a cyclist. <laughs> The biggest <laughs> laughs of the I know people just hate cyclists, <laughs> don't they? Like, yeah, maybe it's a London thing as well. If you say in front of a London audience something about cyclists, yes, everyone's cyclists. like, Yes, cyclists, we hate cyclists so much. That's the one we want to die. That's the one. <laughs> the whole show is like, you know, it is laughing at death, isn't it? It's all about death. Um, there's some great laughs from people who are dying. You know, physically, really funny visual humour. And then the wonderful Wendy, who is the character who, all through the show, we're invited to consider he's actually dying. Spoiler alert. She's not. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, I thought I found that very funny. But, you know, it is tricky... You know, it's a tricky topic. She's supposed to be dying of cancer, isn't she? Tricky to write about. So do you have any rules about that? Is there anything you wouldn't make a joke about? Or I think we never stated exactly what it was she was supposed to be dying of. Have I just made that up? That it's no, cancer, no, no it was heavily implied oh, right. that it was it was cancer. Because uh, I think, I suppose it just felt a bit insensitive to mm. kind of, once you actually say the word... It's like well, that's quite interesting, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. That's quite, very interesting. Yeah. Once you say the words, ha ha, cancer's funny, ha ha, and it's not, <laughs> is it? Um, and so, so it was kind of it, trying to imply it without actually, mm. and I think that was how we got around it by just not really saying the word. And also, Wendy herself wasn't a key character, so you're not really inviting the audience to get to know her or get involved in her life. It, kind of the stories going on around her. Um, well, you do get it, this insight just at the end, don't you? When yeah, um, when she has, I'm just getting, we've got the last clip here was is actually when um, um, it's been revealed. It's the revelation that Wendy is not in fact sick. Oh my god! Wendy, what, she's anxiously. <laughs> Wendy is not going to die. <laughs> oh my god! What? Oh. Yes, I am. I really am. <laughs> She's going to live a long and happy life with her husband. What? <laughs> you just needed a push, okay? <laughs> you just needed a push. That's a hell of a push. Got it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you just needed a push. Um, so, yeah, so this kind of this backstory with this character that she'd kind of... I think that the idea was that this character had got sick, had realised that that was something oh. that might help her get what she wanted yeah. from the man that she loved so she just didn't tell him when she was starting to feel better rather than the idea of a woman who'd fabricated the entire illness which I think is a bit more of a stretch um, so we were just yeah trying yeah. to make it yeah that she yeah, was quite she, but she was quite likeable you know, <laughs> like she was yeah, yeah. you accepted her yeah. yeah okay men do need a push you thought <laughs> on the night I don't think that now on the night I'm saying but also what, I think what worked really well is that again you did that clever thing of Taking something which we know and we're familiar with, like the, the kind of storyline of a woman who fakes preg who's pregnant and then maybe isn't mm. pregnant anymore and doesn't tell the man. We know that story, don't we? But you try to you kind of made it darker by making it. She thought she was going to die and then she wasn't, but she carried it on. I hadn't thought of that, but now Did you've you said not? it. Yes, absolutely. That's what I was going for. Yes, yeah, yes very clever. I'd yes, flipped Subliminally. the thing. <laughs> 
quite well. No, I mean, I suppose that's that's what it resonated with for me. I thought, oh, that's clever. It's like that mm. kind of storyline, but yeah, oh. and that's why we sort of subliminally accepted it. I think as a thing which you know might yeah. be done. Yeah, I think certainly funny. with having the fertility treatment and the the conception yeah. storyline running, that was this whole idea of like birth and death all kind of running alongside yeah. oh. each other and Ooh. as a contrast. She's so she's brainy. She's she's a fucking intellectual. I am like Rachel. I'm like <laughs> Professor Rachel <laughs> from Friends. Professor like, Rachel of hair. Yeah. That's how clever you are. Um, and did you marry Ross or did you marry Joey? <laughs> No, Ross and Rachel would never have got together in real life. It's, I'm so, no. They were wrong. It was wrong. In oh. your own life, I'm saying, is your husband, you know, is yeah, he a is Joey? He a Ross or a Joey? Is he a Joey or a, or a Ross? Uh, neither. He's <laughs> just a nice, real human who I like in the world. I'd be Chandler. I would like Chandler. Who, what about you? <laughs> oh, are you listening? He's like, I can't <laughs> Joey. I've got a Joey. <laughs> Isn't he a lawyer? I think he's very brave. He says he's a lawyer. <laughs> Frankly, I know. He says he's a lawyer. He goes out to the court every morning, but does he? I don't know. Could be doing anything. Anything. Could be Maybe anywhere. he's a spy. <sighs> Takes a wig out, but I don't know what he does with it. Pilot Club. Uh, is it getting made or? Uh, I, I've, it's yeah. been picked up by somebody else, so it's still in development. I, I'm not sure. I think it's been a while. I don't think it's going... I, do, I don't know. I get a sense that it's probably not. It's partly pandemic stuff, though, isn't it? Where you just sort yeah, of get things be. float off into the distance yeah. and you're a bit like, is that I'm still alive? Yeah, yeah. And it's know. it's very difficult once a... So, so you know, to, to get it picked up by a producer is hard enough. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so to get to that stage was, is fantastic. Mm. And um, and then once the producer's then talking to broadcasters about it, you don't necessarily know what's going on mm. or how far down the line it is. Yeah. And, you, you know, you, you, I'm lucky. The people I, I've worked with have all been really open and honest. So um, that's great. But, I, I, I yeah, it feel, I, I get, yeah, it doesn't feel like it's going to... Um, I mean, because you've had yeah. successful shows taken to TV. You had an original idea, right? So, yes. Yeah. I was, yeah. yeah. So it was so awkward yours. It was, yes, yes. Okay. And that so that's Julie's very, very, very successful children's show, which is seventh series, is that? Yes. Yeah. Um and so you get a feeling like how when things are going <laughs> they're gonna get made, you get that. Well, yes, but then I say that, but then, I'm quite often wrong. Like with I remember with So Awkward Thinking, I had I the the time, the month or whatever, the period that So Awkward got commissioned, it was one of about six things that I had sitting on various desks at the time. And that was the one I was least optimistic about. So, you know, you just never know. You, no, yeah. It's funny, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. It's funny. Pilot Club. It could be that Death Sex could make a really good, you know, prose piece, a story, you know, a novel, novella, short novel. And that that is a route which a lot of people are taking now, isn't it? Of like, well, they write their TV they write, idea as yeah, yeah, they write yeah, their yeah. TV as as a novel, and then suddenly it's more interesting. I, I mean, it's I'm all something you thought of. I'm all for that repackaging ideas in yeah. different formats and <laughs> beating people around the head with them until somebody gives in and makes it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've, yeah, certainly. I, yeah, in the past, I've sort of turned plays into TV ideas yeah. and TV ideas into plays and short films, and um, so yeah, I think that's and quite often sometimes repackaging something in a different format it, it puts a fresh angle on it that you maybe hadn't considered and it, it breathes new yeah. life into it. But so at the moment you're... That? 
I think you're mm. terribly busy at the moment writing kids' TV shows, right? Um, y- yes, I mean, because it's, it's, it's August at the moment, so I'm sort of waiting on various decisions from people, but I think I'm busy writing <laughs> kids' TV shows. I'll oh. find out next month if I'm actually busy writing the kids' TV shows. But, a writer. Yeah, but I, yeah, so, so I'm sort of yeah focusing on, on that and... and uh, developing new new kids TV ideas and things. Uh, do you feel like there are because we were talking about whether or not there are sort of TV silos? Do you feel like um, it's hard to move from when because you're writing when you're writing kids shows? It's comedy. It's all the same skills. Yeah, mm. yeah, or exactly the same skills. And yeah. I, I write TV uh, for kids as well as um, sitcom as well, and and this they're very similar yeah, <laughs> very 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 similar and lots of people do it but do you feel like once you get into that like you're a kids tv writer rather than a i think i think so yeah some of the most talented comedy writers i know write for kids tv yeah and and kids tv is lucky to have them um i i think it's i mean i i'm not sure because i, I i've adopted my daughter about five years ago so I kind of took my foot off the gas in terms of pushing my career for the last few years. So I can't say for definite, oh, I'm pushing as hard as I ever was with all my projects. And, you know, it, it, I feel like I'm stuck because I'm just kind of, it, it's, I'm sort of trying to get more of a balance of work life balance. Yeah. Mm. Um, but having, I think it is interesting that children's television pays less than the, the main channels. And that seems to be an area that, the women who are writing and are getting their stuff broadcast seem to be in the less well-paid bit. Um, mm. But I can't really say from my own personal experience if that's been the case because I don't know. I think yeah. the res- I think the research does show that that women. She always that, brings that, up the research. Uh oh. I just make it up. So there's no, actual <laughs> no, there is research because the, the Writers Guild, you know, did do some research. A great piece of research and. Um, it showed that the less well-paid areas, you know, like children's television, uh, like continuing drama, have got more women in them. And, and the higher paid, you know, the, mm. the high-end TV drama, which is the highest paid of all, um, has proportionally the least women. And in fact, comedy, adult comedy, has the least women writers represented in it. So I think there is something in it. And radio, of course, is... Mm. Is a place where women often do really, really well, isn't it? And um, that again is, as we know, not that not as well paid. Yeah, as a radio. But writer, for me, say. I think children, the world of children's television has just been a gift because it's so they do make comedy in a way yeah. that yeah. non, and I they mean, make sci-fi and they make cool shows with really interesting ideas and they do them well. Yeah. Um, and I, I felt very, very privileged to be part of that and to all the opportunities that I've had. You know, I've been able to write sort of like cool all my high concept stuff mm. um that i just i you know these these are things i didn't especially in this country where in the uk i don't think i think getting a high concept idea commissioned always seems to be harder oh, yeah God, it's definitely it's so really weird hard. yeah yeah but I mean, not in the world of kids in the world of kids you can you can push that stuff and it still has a chance of getting made mm. Um, yeah, I think, you know, not, it's not to say, you know, t- children's TV has got some of the most imaginative and innovative TV and ideas around, hasn't it? Mm. Um, the only thing is, in terms of silos, is is the kind of pay, isn't it? That's the yeah, only and it's thing. All, but it's also to say that if you're writing animation, for example, mm. it has to be, the structure of the story has to be so absolutely rock solid mm. that, um, you know, that... Ha- in a way that would, ab- you could, of course, you can write a sitcom, if you can write an animation, if you can write a 
half hour animation or even a 15 minute animation you can write a sitcom it's the same skills yeah mm. you know it's a five act structure it's and like it's, it's there are e stories and b stories which interlock it is yeah. a you know mm. it's a exactly. piece of clockwork. Sto- story yeah. clarity is so important yeah and that's you know those yeah. are really yeah. really once you honing those skills is 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 so important yeah it's just funny writing because writing grown-up comedy is kind of easier than writing children's comedy in my in my view yeah because you can rely on rude stuff yeah there's so many there's so many things you can't do isn't there yeah with children. so so, so it, has, it is harder yeah I, I think that's true yeah you're less restricted yeah. by um sort of compliance issues and yeah, and, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and imi- all that imitation and stuff. Yeah. Like, don't do that. The kids are going to eat petrol if you do that or whatever. And you're like, oh, oh, no, I made an error. You know, so, yeah. Should I not have said the words eat petrol? Is that, was that wrong? Why? No, it's <laughs> fine. Do you think kids can eat petrol. Do you think the listeners fine. to the podcast will eat petrol? Who do you think's listening? I don't know. No, I'm worried. no I, it's tr- kids can eat petrol. They I can. Don't but know you've, why. you've had your kid for five years now, and she says that's fine. <laughs> she oh, loves petrol. <laughs> that's all fine then. And well, okay. So um, it's all very interesting. But let's get back to the female pilot club, Julie, um, which is very exclusive. And as you know, and you are in it. Very, very oh, exciting. I didn't know I was in it. Yes, you're literally in it. it. Oh, so, yeah. And it's very exclusive. Um, and you're honoured to be me. asked to join. <laughs> but which other female exponent of the comic arts would you nominate to join the club? Can be anyone? Yeah, could be writer, producer, performer or stand-up from the history of comedy whose only crime was to be a lumpy jumper. <laughs> I, I was thinking about this, thinking about this, and I was thinking of, like, friends of mine, and I thought, no! Um, <laughs> I... <laughs> I, Why my, give them the air? Yeah, my <laughs> my my first ever, I think, female comedy writer hero was Sue Townsend when I was reading the Adrian Mole series back oh. in the uh, late eighties, uh, and I, I just remember following my family members around the house reading out loud from the Secret Diary of Adrian Mole, and just because it was so funny, I just wanted to share it with everyone. I remember my brother's girlfriend coming around and presumably to see my brother, and just being trailed all around the house by this ten-year-old going, "It's so funny. Listen to this bit. Listen to this bit." <laughs> and I and I just and the fact the fact that she was consistent and she just churned. She, there were so many of those books, and and she created in Adrian Mole a really empathetic character and in Adrian Rolls' mum who I think was the real hero of the, of that book series she created something really special and enduring um, so she's she's my pick please can that I have her a that is nomination. And I'd a great nomination and I how much I love those books I absolutely love them with you so yeah. funny looked forward to the next one coming yeah really really adored them great nomination yeah. and, oh. and now of course you've got um, Tom Gates and all of those kind of books which are in the same mould aren't they which are massive massive um, successes. I'm looking yeah. at you a bit blankly. Sorry, sorry. I don't know. No, I don't know. No, my really. kids read. Yeah, there's another one which is the. Um, oh God, my, the, my mind's gone blank. There's another one where they've got a sort of stick man. Is it the wimpy figure. kid? No, Wimpy Diary kid. Of the wimpy, wimpy kid. Yes. Right. Yeah. Diary of a wimpy kid and the Adventures of Tom Gates are both in very similar to Sue mm. Townsend's invention. Mm. So yeah, and both mm. very successful and very funny series as well. Yeah, um, but she was the originator. She was the she originator. Was the first. She was the, she was the first. She was the we, origin, the source. We deign to let her in. I think. Do yeah, we, I we think we do. We let everyone in. Let everyone oh, in. Let everyone in. Everyone Yay, in. Sue Townsend! How exciting! Um, oh, that sound means it's time for us to climb into our bags, check our underparts, and do our ablutions for another flight. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back 
to take another plucky female pilot out of her comfort zone while we fly the flag for female-written sitcom upwards against almost unbeatable sods. Odds. Unbeatable odds. Um, I know what I mean. Okay, so goodbye from the Female Pilot Club. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Thanks, Julie. (laughs) When the days are grey and dreary and the nights are drawing in There's a place that's gay and cheery where they'll take you for a spin So come on and get your trouble Keep your eyes on the skies of Why not follow us at Female Pilot Club on Twitter and Insta? The podcast was created and produced by Kay Stonham and Abigail Burdez, featuring resident actor Emily Chase. It was edited and technically produced by Giles Bidder, with music composed by Tim Sutton, and starred the comedy voices of Jordan Stevens, Maddie Rice, Abigail Burdez, Joe Johnsey, Tom Brittany, and Katie Redford.